Uh, so how are you guys doing? Good? Um, if you missed the first introduction, my name is Sean. Uh, we're in this series, The Power to Change. Uh, let me ask you, uh, start by asking a question. Uh, it might be a, a weird question, but think about this for a minute. Um, does anyone have a five-year plan? Uh, and the end of the five-year plan, your plan is to royally screw up your life. Anyone, that's your plan. Like, the end of five years, you got to get a divorce. That's the goal, right? I'm just going to blow up my marriage. Uh, at the end of five years, I'm going to declare bankruptcy because I haven't managed my money. I'm going to get fired from my job. Anyone, that's sort of your five-year goal? Anyone? No, right? Because, no, right, who plans to, to, to mess their lives up? Yet, how many of you know people um, that are currently messing their lives up. Anyone just raise your hands. You're like, we know people all around us that are currently making decisions that are, that are ruining their lives. And, and, and you know, and, um, at the end of it, like, you can almost summarize the, their entire life in a sentence. You go like, oh, yeah, you know, she was using again, fill in the blank, she lost a job. Oh, yeah, he started drinking again, and, you know, he lost his marriage. Oh, yeah, his lust just was out of control, and his wife eventually divorced him. And, and you can kind of summarize the entire life in, in a sentence, right? It's like, um, but, but so, so oftentimes, right, uh, um, what takes years to accomplish, right, uh, we're able to kind of just summarize in just this one sentence. Um, like, the thing is, though, you know, an alcoholic, um, you know, he never gets fired from his job because of one bad decision, right? Um, you know, a, a, a wife doesn't divorce her adulterous husband because he made one mistake, it's been kind of a, a lifetime of accumulative bad choices, bad decisions that eventually lead to that disaster. And so, so the question, you know, is like, like, how do people mess their lives up, right? Because we all know people who are currently messing their lives up or who, who have messed their lives up. Um, and inevitably, what happens, it's not like some landslide event, some big catastrophic event, but it's normally a just more like a process of erosion, right? It's just like the steady kind of accumulative um, decisions that we make, like one wrong decision, one bad choice, one unwise choice, one wrong step, one bad habit, accumulatively over time will eventually lead us to a place with a disastrous outcome. And so to illustrate this, I want to show you a story. Um, of a character is a well, kind of well-known Old Testament character. I'll see if you guys can get, guess it. Um, th this guy um, was incredibly gifted by God. Um, had incredible strength, um, and through the accumulative effect of his um, bad habits um, and, and poor decisions, he ended up just ruining his life. All the potential that he had, um, he ended up losing his strength. He ended up losing his hair. He ended up losing his reputation. He ended up losing his freedom. He ended up losing his sight, and eventually he ended up losing his life. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? Samson, right? Samson, right? The, the, the hair was the clue, right? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the guy who got his hair cut off, right? So how does someone like Samson, right, incredibly uh, gifted by God, called by God, uh, uh, you know, with all this potential, end up, you know, just royally messing their lives up, right? And the answer is he doesn't do it, he didn't do it all at once. Um, what did he do? He did one bad decision, one bad choice, one unwise decision, uh, one bad habit, cumulatively over time. Specifically, in Samson's case, he actually did it 56,250 steps. That's what it took him to mess up his life, right? It, it was a cumulative time, and, I, and I'll explain kind of that in, in a minute. 
So um, Samson didn't mess up his life all at once. That's, that's the point, right? He didn't mess up his life because of one bad decision. Samson's demise was, was the result of a, uh, a long season of unhelpful, hurtful, um, bad habits that had accumulated over time. And interestingly, the scripture summarizes Samson's life in one sentence. Just like you will summarize sometimes someone's life who has messed up their life in one sentence. Yeah, he started drinking again and, you know, fill in the blank. And, uh, and so the scripture does this. So Samson's story takes place in the book of Judges. Some of you might have read it. I'm just going to read you one verse out of Judges. We won't really kind of spend time on his story so much. But I just want to illustrate this point that, that, that oftentimes our lives are not messed up because of one bad decision. I, our lives are messed up because of a cumulative of bad decision and bad habits over time. And so uh, Judges, talking about Samson in chapter 16, it says this. It says, one day Samson, someone say one day. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. One day Samson made a bad decision that led to another bad decision that led to uh, a formation of some bad habits that eventually led to his demise and eventually led to a very disastrous outcome for his life. Um, now, here's something that's fascinating about Samson's story. Samson, we know, was born in the town of Zara, uh, Zora, uh, where that's about 38 miles uh, to the southwest of Jerusalem. Gaza is uh, further south than that. It's on the coast of ancient, was on the coast of ancient Israel. Um, many of you are very familiar with Gaza right now because it's kind of in the, in the news. Um, this is just a coincidence. This story comes up. Uh, but Gaza is about 25 miles away from the, the town of Zorah. Um, Gaza was a Philistine town. Philistines were the traditional enemies of ancient Israel. They had long-standing feuds um, over the, um, the, the division of that land. So nothing much has changed thousands of years later. That's still going on. Um, and if you know the backstory of Samson's life, I mean, Samson was uh, called by God at birth. I mean, her, an angel shows up to his mother, um, and, and Samson is actually dedicated to the, to the Lord at birth um, through a Nazarite vow. Um, he is told never to cut his hair, um, and incredibly gifted, gifted with supernatural strength by God, called by God to lead the people as a deliverer, uh, particularly from the, from the oppression of the Philistine nation. Um, and so um, Samson was single single-handedly waging war against the Philistines, and because of his incredible strength, was doing a really good job of it. And so Samson was, by, by all accounts, like the, the you know, enemy, public enemy number one for the Philistines. He was the guy that if they had a ch chance to take out, they would take him out. And so it raises the question, how on earth does, does Samson end up in enemy territory? Like, how on earth does he, does he end up in the middle, um, someone who, who has such a calling on his life, a hand of God is upon his life, um, gifted by God supernaturally uh, to accomplish great feats for the kingdom. How does a guy like Samson end up in enemy territory? Well, he did it step by step. And to be precise, he did it uh, through 56,250 steps. Because that's about how many steps it takes for a person to walk from Zora, which is 25 miles away, to Gaza. So 56,250 steps, 56,250 opportunities to make decisions he's making. I'm going to Gaza, and what happens in Gaza? He sees a prostitute, right? And there becomes a, a pattern of Samson's life. He, he, he makes a decision that leads to a habit, and that habit ultimately leads to the demise um, of Samson's life. 
Like, and that's my point. No one plans to mess up their life. You know, Samson wasn't going like, I'm going to Gaza to mess up my life, right? But that's exactly what happened, right? Um, and it was a process. It was a cumulative process. Um, no one plans on living paycheck to paycheck, right? Year after year, just kind of just trying to just edging by, never having enough money to, to, to have any kind of financial peace. No one ever dreams of spending their life stuck in a dead-end job, right? Week after week, year after year, just going into a job that's just sucking your soul dry. Like, no one dreams of, of living a life of mediocrity, right? No one ever plans, um, you know, on, on blowing up their marriage and spending the holidays away from their kids. No one ever kind of, these are never plans that people, and yet we know people, um, you know, in our families, uh, some of you are maybe sitting here today, who've done just that, right? Uh, we, 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 we do that. Like Samson, all of that is a result of a long season of unhelpful, unhealthy, um, and oftentimes destructive habits that we have created along the way. Um, habits right now, by the way, um, that you actually have the power to change. Uh, you have the power to change them. So if you're joining us for the first time, like we've been in this series called The Power to Change, it's based on a book by uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle. And I'm just deeply grateful for uh, Pastor Craig and the team at Life Church Open Network that kind of makes this resource available to us. It's just been uh, really amazing. So let me do a little bit of review to kind of backtrack us a little bit of where we've been so far in the series. Um, and I would encourage you, if you've missed any of these messages to date, uh, go online at whitepinnachapel.com, go check out our YouTube channel, and watch them because each of these, uh, uh, are, these messages are kind of building a, a house, if you will, right? Um, and not one of these things is a silver bullet, but together they, they really do provide uh, some really helpful tools to change. It really provides the power um, uh, to change. And so each week we're kind of looking at these foundational principles, these God-honoring principles that if we were to apply them to our lives, we really truly will access God's power to change, uh, so especially those negative things in our lives that we want to change. And so, uh, in, uh, in review, last, uh, at the beginning of the, of the series, the first week one, we laid a foundational principle. And the principle was this, that real and lasting change is not simply behavior modification, but it's spiritual transformation, right? It's not just um, changing the external behaviors, but it's actually changing us from the inside out. It's, it's the heart change that is required uh, for true change to be lasting. Oftentimes, if we simply change behavior, uh, pretty soon the behaviors will return if we don't change the heart behind the behavior. And so it's a spiritual transformation that we're looking at. So in order for it to be spiritual transformation, it has to be what? Spiritual, right? And so we've talked a lot about the reasons why we want to change, and oftentimes we have um, physical or worldly reasons to change, but, but in order for real lasting change to happen, for spiritual transformation to take place, it has to be, we have to have a spiritual why. We have to have the reason behind the change. Can't just simply be um, physical. For instance, you know, I might want to... Um, you know, lose weight or, or exercise more. And I might have a reason because I want to look good in a bathing suit. That wouldn't be my reason. Or I want to have a six-pack, whatever it would be. Um, and, and that might get you so far. Um, but we need to have a spiritual reason. So the reason I want to uh, get healthy, I want to exercise, is because I believe that my body is the temple of God. I, I want to honor God with my body. I want to have legacy. I want to have longevity. I want to be the man that God has created to me, the husband, the grandfather, perhaps one day. And in order to do that, all those things that God has created for me to do, accomplish His purposes in my life, I need to be healthy. And so I need to take care of this body that He has given me. Now that spiritual why will take you a lot further than any 
any kind of external why will ever take you. So you need to have the spiritual why. Uh, you know, we talked about maybe um, the reason you, you're sick and tired of being broke, right? You want to be a better steward of your money uh, because you just don't want to be broke anymore. That's a good reason. But add to that a spiritual reason, right? A spiritual why, because you want to honor God with your money. You believe that all your resource comes from God, and you want to be a person who's able to be generous and to bless other people. Now, that spiritual why will take you a lot further. And so because a real tr- lasting change is about spiritual transformation, our why needs to be spiritual. So we talked a lot about the spiritual why. And so we begin, uh, you know, the, the beginning of a process of change begins with the spiritual why. Why, why we want to change that is rooted in God's purposes for our lives. Uh, in week two, um, we talked about um, the power of identity. Um, the reason you do what you do is because Why? Because of what you think of you, right? It rhymes. It was easy. You should remember that, right? The reason you do what you do is because of what you think of you. Um, our identity drives a lot of the behaviors that we, uh, we, 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 uh, we, we practice in our lives. Um, and, and so um, we've talked about the spiritual who, right? Who does God say that you are, right? Who does God say that you are becoming? And that, that, that spiritual who is a critically powerful motivator for change in our lives. And so you have a spiritual why and you have a spiritual who. And then last week, if you heard, we talked about the spiritual what. And your spiritual what are your habits. And we said that, you know, you can hope to change all you want. And hope is good. You know, we all need hope in our lives. But hope alone won't change you. What will change you are your habits. Right? Your habits will change you. So based on who you want to become is the question we asked. Uh, what one good habit, right? What, what one habit do you need to start? One, what, what one God-honoring habit do you need to put in place based on the, this idea of who you want to become? Now, a lot of times when we, we set goals or try to begin new habits, oftentimes we, have, um, we look at them as a means to an end. Right? So, uh, and you'll know that, you're, that whatever habit you're trying to place is a means to an end if you have a so that attached to it. Right? So, for instance, I want, to, I, I, I want to exercise and lose weight so that um, you know, I can look good in a bikini. Not that I would want to look in a bikini. I'm talking about you guys. Uh, some of you guys. Hopefully not all of you men want to look good in it. Anyway, okay. so, so, so that, right? If you have a so that attached to it, so that I can look good in a bikini, I can go to the beach, so that I can, uh, you know, some guy will be attracted to me so that I can get married, so that I can live happily ever after. So if your goal, right, has a so that attached to it, it's a means to an end, right? I, I, want, to, uh, I, I want to study hard at school so that I can go to college, so that I can get a great job, so that I can be rich. Right? So if the so that is attached to the goal or the habit you're trying to place, it's a means to an end. So rather than having a, a, uh, your, your goal be a means to an end, you need to have an end goal. Right? You need to have a, a goal that is an end into itself. Right? So uh, that the end for, the, for those of us who are in Christ is not actually an end goal as much as that it's an end who. Right? It's who we are becoming. Right? We want, to, we want to place our habits in our lives because we are becoming, and the who for us is a person, right? It's, it's the person of Jesus Christ, right? So, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about, about this idea that we are all in Christ being transformed into his image. That's, that's the process of the Christian journey, that we are being transformed moment by moment, step by step, into the very image uh, of Jesus Christ. So becoming more and, like, more and more like Jesus should be the driving force of the reason why we want to change. It's, it's about who we want to become. And so, so the question we asked last week, based on who you want to become, 
which for you as a believer should be more and more like Jesus, right? That's the who. Um, you know, what habits, what, what things do you need to start doing in your life? Uh, weave into the daily ritual of your life so they become habitual actions. Kind of a habit is kind of um, an action or a, um, a, a, a behavior on autopilot. And so what habits do you need to start? That's the question we asked last week. And we looked at the life of Daniel, and we saw how even the small habits that Daniel placed in his life, Daniel was this guy who was uh, brought into exile, indoctrinated into a foreign culture, but he established some God-honoring habits in his life that God used powerfully um, to, to really use him uh, to be a, 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 a positive change in that culture. And so uh, don't ever underestimate um, the small habits that you use, that God can use them in a really, really big way. The small things that no one sees oftentimes in your life uh, will often lead to the big results that everyone wants in their lives. And so don't ever underestimate the, the small starts, the small habits that you begin. So the question we asked last week was, what's one small habit? What's one thing that you can begin um, based on who you want to become? And the who is more and more like Jesus, right? That's, that's the goal. That's the purpose that we have. It's an end goal. And so we have a spiritual why. We have a reason because it's about spiritual transformation, not just behavior modification. Uh, we have a spiritual who, who we becoming more and more like Jesus. And then we have a spiritual what, the, the little habits, the things that we weave into our lives um, because the hope alone is not going to change us. I can hope to be a better person. I can hope to be healthier. But if I don't have the habits to back that up, uh, none of that hope will really do me any good. And so the habits are what counts. So the spiritual what are the habits. And so today what I want to look at um, is the spiritual what not. Turn to your neighbor and say what not. What not, all right? So it's basically the idea of what not to do spiritually, all right? So uh, the question I want you to consider, and I, I don't want you to answer this right away. I mean, in your head you might, but uh, take some time to think about this because this is a really important question. Um, so uh, here's the question, all right? You guys ready for it? Based on who you want to become, right? And who are we becoming? The, 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 the what is a who, right? Um, based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to break in your life right now? What is one thing, one habitual thing that you do consistently uh, that you know is not helpful in your becoming, right? And you're becoming more and more like Jesus. It's not helpful in your spiritual growth. It's not helpful, uh, but rather it's hurting your relationships. Um, a habit that, that, uh, that, that is preventing you or hindering you or stopping you from becoming the person that you want. So give yourself a minute to think about it. At the end of this message, I actually want you to write it down. Um, and it's yours personally. This has got nothing to do with anyone else. This is just for you. But I want you to actually write that down. So just kind of think about it over the course of the next few minutes. Uh, what is the one habit based on who you want to become, right? And the becoming is more and more like Jesus. What is one habit you need to break in your life? Now, James, the brother of Jesus, frames this idea in very stark spiritual terms. This is the way he says it, but it's basically the same idea. He says, so get rid of, someone say get rid of. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart for it has the power to save your souls. Now, now, now the old habits that you may be thinking of, right, uh, may not necessarily be overtly evil or filthy, right? That's not necessarily uh, applicable to, to all of it. But over time, even unwise choices, um, marginally bad habits, kind of just simple things that don't seem all that to think. Over time, the cumulative effect of that can lead to disastrous outcomes, right? 
And, and so what is that one health um, habit that's not helping you become the person that God has created you to become, that God wants you to become, that you want to become, right? What is the one habit that you need to break? Um, so, um, you know, we, we want to get rid of it, whatever that is. That's what, that's, what, that's what James says, get rid of it, right? We no longer want to entertain it. We no longer want to tolerate. So how do you do that? How do you do this? So according to James, you, you don't do it on your own, right? You don't do it on your own. Um, you do what James tells you to do. He says you humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. In other words, you submit to God's authority. Right? You lean into God's power. You submit yourself to his word. You submit yourself to his direction. For, James tells us, it has the power to save us right, and to save our souls. It's the same thing that Paul uh, said to the Romans that we've talked about in Romans chapter 12. Pastor Kuiper read it uh, earlier uh, where, where he says, in view of all of God's mercy, right, in view of all that God has done for you. And, and Christian, do you know what God has done for you? I mean, it's pretty amazing. Like Paul spends the first 11 chapters of Romans just laying out the incredible blessings, the redemption that you have in Jesus Christ, that you have been redeemed, justified, saved, forgiven, placed in spiritual place, you know, high places, seated at the right hand of God. I mean, you are now a son and a daughter of the living God with an inheritance that is eternal. I mean, that's who you are. That's what God has done for you. So Paul says, in view of all of that, in light of all of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, submit yourself to God's authority. Submit yourself to God's power, right? Because this is your true and proper act of worship. And then he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God's Spirit and God's Word to work in partnership to change the way you think about you. Why? Because what you think about you impacts what you do, right? And so if you have a wrong view of who you are, you're just not going to live right. You just won't, right? And so you need to live according to who God says you are, who God says you are becoming. And who are you becoming in Christ? More and more like Jesus, right? And so what is the one habit, right? That you need to break in your life. And, I, and I'm convinced that all of us have at least one thing. I know I've got a, like a whole list, right? That, that, that I need to break in my own life so that I can become more and more uh, like Jesus. And, so, and, and here's what I want to do. I want you to be specific about this. I don't want you to just be general. Be specific, right? You need to really clearly define it. Uh, because defining it is really important. Because you cannot defeat what you cannot define, Right? And so, for instance, you might say, um, I, I need to break an eating habit. Many people would go like, okay, I, like my, 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 my health habits, I'm like what I eat, I know, I understand, is not the best. And so I, I need to change some of my eating habits. So define that specifically. What about your eating habits do you need to change? Right? For some of you, you might say, well, I, I just need to consume less sugar. Right? I might need to just give up the 24-ounce Mountain Dew that I have every day at lunch. Right? That might be the one specific thing that we're talking about. So be specific. Right? Some of you might say, well, I need to kind of like cut down on the carbs. Be specific. Like what is it that you need to cut down and how? Well, maybe for some of you, you need to give up like the, the Big Mac and the large fries that you have three or four times a week for lunch. Right? That, that might be the specific thing. So be specific about it. Define it. Um, for some of you, it might be a digital habit, right? Maybe you're, you're spending hours on, on Instagram or playing video games. And, and you might love it, but your spouse hates it, right? And for your husbands, if you're playing video games, I know you young men do this a lot still. You're kind of like adolescents still. Uh, 
you know, you might like it, but your spouse hates it, right? And, and, and you know the old adage, you know, happy wife, happy spouse, you know, so you need to pay attention to that, right? Uh, so, so what is the one thing, right? What is the one, one habit that, that, that you need to break that's preventing you from becoming the person uh, that you want to be, right? What is that one habit? Um, and for some of you, it's, it's a little deeper and darker than, you know, eating habits. So maybe it's, it's like a porn habit. You know, you're, you're in high school and some kid showed you something. And before you know it, you kind of like, you know, you started scrolling on your own. And, and what became just a, a mild kind of little infatuation now has become an addiction. And you just can't get away from it. You try to stop and you're sick of the shame and the guilt that flows in afterwards, but you just can't shake it, right? So what is that one thing, right? For others, you might be substance. You know, I think a lot of us um, know people and, and personally have struggled with substance abuse, right? Maybe, you know, you, you hurt your back at work and your docs prescribed you some pain meds, and now you can't function without them. You know, maybe it's vaping. Maybe it's smoking cigarettes. Maybe it's, you know, smoking weed. You know, what is the one thing, the one thing that you currently are doing in your life that you know, right, is hindering you, holding you back from becoming the person that God wants you to be, right? The person that you want you to be, right? What is that one habit, right? Uh, and maybe it's not even like a, an external thing. Maybe it's an internal thing, right? Maybe it's like, the, like some, some people just have this critical spirit, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. You, you're criticizing everything I'm talking to you about right now. You're just picking it apart, right? You're just kind of like, yeah, and that Sean said this. And, you know, so maybe that, that's what it is, right? It's just like nothing is ever good enough for you and everything. You're just critical about everything. You know, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just kind of this negative complaining heart, right? Like you can never find anything good to say about anything or anyone, right? You're always seeing the junk, always looking at the negative things. Um, maybe it's just a negative spirit. Uh, maybe it's, you know, a propensity towards anger. Like you, you just kind of go off the handle at, 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 at inappropriate times and in weird places and, and for no reason. And everyone who loves you and cares about you has to walk on eggshells around you because they're afraid they're going to kind of just set you off. You know, so maybe it's an eternal thing, right? What is the one thing, the habit, that habitual behavior that kind of just seems to kick in on autopilot for you uh, that, that you need to break in order to become the person that God wants you to be, the order to become the person that you want you to be, right? Um, you know, so um, do you want to hear about mine? Some of the things I, I have a whole list, honestly. I've got like a whole, in fact, Jess has a whole list for me. She's got like this whole <laughs> notebook full of things that I need to, uh, but one of the things I've been working on recently um, is um, I have this propensity, this habitual that I've, it, I never did it before, but over, over the last years, it's come more and more, is to check out through entertainment. I don't know if anyone kind of knows what this is. I mean, um, being a pastor, I'm around people all the time, um, and you might not know this about me, but I'm not a people person. Like, I, I don't really, I mean, God has gifted me to love people and serve people, but most of the time, relationships kind of like just draw from me, and they, they're like an output for me. And so when I get home, I just want to check out. Like, I just want to check out. And so I find myself spending hours in front of, in my man cave, I have a man cave, which is awesome, in front of my big 65-inch TV, uh, binge-watching like Netflix shows like Alone and, you know, Below zero, life below zero. Like things that are so far removed from my life, and I love it because it's just like nothing like my life is. And so I just escape into this, for hours, into this entertainment world, right? Anyone relate to this? Just kind of me. And so I've I, I just been like, I've been struggling with that, right? And, um, 
And even though I have every good intention to go like, tonight I'm not going to do it. Tonight I'm going to paint. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do everything. Night after night, I find myself back on my couch, probably eating cookies and hugging dust, watching hours of dumb shows, right? And it's like, I, I've like it's actually become a habit of my life. And, and I hate it. And I've got every good intention to stop it. Um, but, but I keep getting sucked back in it. So pray for me, right? Pray for me. I need a lot of help. Which raises the question, though. This is an important question, right? Why is it that good habits are so hard to start and bad habits are so hard to break? Like, what is it about that, right? Um, so let me take a few minutes just to talk about that because this is really interesting. This has been helpful for me. Uh, why are good habits so difficult to start? Let me tell you why. Um, because with a good habit, the pain is now and the payoff is later, right? For, for instance, right, um, I'll give you an example, and I've talked about this a bit, so I might be going on like an old record here, but I broke my elbow a couple, you know, a year, like almost two years ago now. It's been longer than I, than I think. But, um, but before that, I was pretty consistent in the gym. I was going to like the gym like four or five days a week because I knew I needed to get healthy and stay healthy because I want to be a healthy granddad when I eventually get grandbabies. So I was like working hard at that, and then I broke my elbow. But here's the thing. When I started at the gym, I wanted to quit every day because it was so hard. Like, I wanted to throw up. Every time I went to the gym, I was like, I was going to throw up. And it wasn't because the workouts were necessarily difficult. I was just so out of shape. It was like it just, like it just wrecked me, right? And so, I, and so now, thinking of being out of the gym for so long, thinking about going in, I know the pain that's involved, right? For me to, like, it's going to take a while. Like, it's going to be months before I get the payoff right? And so the pain is now, right? To, to, for me to go back to the gym, I know there's going to be some really hurting days, right? And so it's a lot easier for me to just sit on the couch, right? And so it's hard to start a new habit because the pain is now and the payoff is later. And the reverse is true for a bad habit. For a bad habit, the, the, the payoff is now and the pain comes later, right? Like the bad habit of sitting, you know, every night in front of my TV watching Netflix and eating ice cream or cookies, that feels good, right? It feels good, right? There's like the payoff is right there. The dopamine, the sugar rush, the entertainment, it's all there. But the payoff will be later. The payoff is like high cholesterol. The payoff is like, Lord forbid, a heart attack, you know? Like, I mean, like there's some real consequence to that kind of behavior prolonged and left unchecked, right? And so, so that's why it's so hard, right? Because for a good behavior, I mean, the pain is now. Right? And the payoff doesn't come till later, right? And if you're anything like me, and I think most of us are, we want immediate gratification. We want the good stuff now, right? And so the propensity is to go towards the bad habits because that's where the, the payoff is, right in front, right? And the pain, though, always comes later. And that's just the reality of life. So um, how do you start a good habit then? All right, so how do we kind of work around there? What's the workaround? So we talked about this last week. How do you start a good habit? Firstly, you make it obvious, right? You make it really obvious and you make it easy, right? You kind of lower the bar. You just kind of like, if I'm going to start working out, I'm just going to start by putting my gym shoes by the door. Like, that's the beginning. And then eventually I'll put my gym shoes on. And eventually, like maybe after a couple of days, I might step outside with my gym shoes and then do a few stretches, right? Now I'm working out. That's all I'm doing. But eventually, over time, you can build on those habits. You can stack those habits to eventually a kind of... 
workout where you're running around the block or whatever it might be. And so, uh, you know, you have to start, you have to make it obvious, and you have to make it easy. And we talked about that in some depth last week. We talked about the, the habit loop. Remember this? Uh, this is really important because understanding the psychology of habits really helps you in this, right? And so we talked about the habit loop where there's always a cue, a trigger that starts off a behavior, right? That, that, that cue will then elicit from you a craving or a desire. The desire then leads to a response or an action. The response or the action then will lead to a reward. The dopamine rush, the sugar rush, the buzz from whatever it is. And so, so that's the loop, right? And on repeat, that's how habits start. That's how habits form. And so we said how critically it is important to understand our cues, right? Because the cues are what trigger the habits, right? Are you guys tracking with this? This is good stuff, man. So if you want to change your habits, you need to change your cues. And we talked about the different categories of cues. There's, there's people, times, moods, moments, and places, right? And so if you want to change your habits, you have to change your cues. And if you want to break a bad habit, right, you have to remove the cue. Right? You have to actually remove the crew. So, uh, so this is, the, the scriptures talk about this. I love this. Like thousands of years ago before neuroscientists figured out this whole habit loop and how our brains work and respond to all of this, the scripture was talking about this. So listen to what the writer of Proverbs says. See how he's talking about removing a cue. He says this. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evildoer. In other words, don't even get close to the thing that's going to trigger you into that bad habit. Right? He says, avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. Right? Over five or six different ways, the, 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 the writer of the Proverbs is encouraging us, exhorting us to remove the triggers or the cues that would elicit the craving, the desire that would then lead to a response, that would then lead to the reward, that then would set us off into that habit loop. So don't set foot on it. Don't walk on it. Avoid it. Don't travel for, on it. Turn from it. So, how do you break a bad habit? The first thing you need to do is remove the cue. The second thing you need to do, jot this down, is interrupt the action. Um, so maybe, yes, this, this look. Maybe you want to grow spiritually. So you decide, okay, um, I'm going to wake up an hour early every morning, and I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to make that a habit of my life. But the problem is that in the morning, you're in the habit of hitting snooze. Like not once, not twice, but like three or four times, right? And so you need to interrupt that action. So here's what you do. Uh, instead of putting your alarm clock, your, your smartphone, whatever your alarm is, right next to your bed, you take your phone and you stick it on the far end of the room. Take it as far away from your bed as you can, plug it in under there. So when it goes off in the morning, you can't just hit snooze. You've now interrupted the action, right? And so now you have to get out of bed, right? Get out of your cozy, warm bed, walk over to your phone that's on the far side of the room, turn the phone off, and guess what? You're up, right? Now you're up, right? And so you've broken the, you've you interrupted the action, right? You've interrupted that cycle. You've removed a cue and you've interrupted the action. And, and that's basically how that works, right? Um, maybe you have an issue with, uh, with shopping, like you kind of do the late night binge shopping on Amazon, right? And, and you're just spending money you don't have, but you're just kind of in this habit. You're this the satisfaction every time you, you hit buy now, right? This little dopamine rush happens and you're like, ah, oh, I'm going to get something. You're all excited waiting for it in the mail, and it's just kind of a habit that you've got. You're kind of doing a little shopping therapy, right? You're kind of um, dealing with some hurts and hang-ups, you know, based on your purchases, right? It's a real thing. People do that all the time, right? And so maybe what you need to do is interrupt the action. So here's what you do. You, you, you ask your wife, your spouse, your husband, or maybe just a good friend if you're not married, to change your password on Amazon, right? 
And now, every time you want to purchase something, you have to go through them. You have to call them up or ask them, honey, I, what's my passport? I'm not telling you. Well, can you get in for me? Well, maybe. What is it you're buying, right? What, what have you done? You've interrupted the action, right? Because Amazon makes it really easy for you, right? They want your money, right? Like, just press buy now. You don't even have to go through the whole process of filling in your credit card. They've already got that, right? And so what you want to do is you want to interrupt the, interrupt the action. Does this make sense, right? So when you, when, you, when you want to break an old habit, what do you have to do? Help me out. The first thing you need to do, remove the cue, right? And then you might need to interrupt the action. So back to my binge-watching uh, on Netflix, um, uh, th this is kind of like something that, that I'm working on right now. Um, so the way I've kind of been processing through this is um, I decided at the beginning of the year that I'm going to just stop the binge watching. This is not good for me. It's not the person I want to become. I don't want to spend hours and hours watching TV, which is ridiculous. Do you know that here's something that, that, that I figured out um, that, that actually Pastor Craig did some research on this, um, is that the average person, we talked about this while, average person spends about four hours on their phone um, every, every day, which is crazy, like four hours on your phone or, or on your tablet or on your screen watching TV, whatever. Four hours of screen time a day. So that four hours, if you do the math, um, that works out to be, uh, let, me, let me just, I wrote it down somewhere. Let me find out, find out what the math was because so, I'm terrible at math. Um, but it's a lot of hours. Put it up on the screen there. It's on the screen there. So, so it's, it's 1,400, uh, 1,460 hours a year. Um, over, say if you do that, so over a lifetime, so say 60 years, which is like a very moderate, so if you only start when you're 15, I don't know when that works because your parents wouldn't buy your phone when you were 12. I don't know how that works. That makes 87,600 hours over 60 years. Do you know how many years that equals to? Exactly 10 years. 10 years of your life. Your God-given precious life staring at a screen. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, your life is way too valuable. My life's way too valuable to be spending hours in front of Netflix. I know that, but it's hard to change, right? It's hard to change. So, so, so you have to kind of remove those cues. So, so back to my Netflix things. Here's what I did. I decided... Uh, January, I'm, I'm going to cut out Netflix and Hula. No more subscription for me. I don't know, Jess, figure it out for yourself. You do whatever you want to do, but I'm not going to do it on my big 65-inch TV at home. And so here's the problem, though. Because I, I waited until the beginning of the month to, to, to uh, cancel it, they wouldn't let me cancel it, so they gave me a whole nother month. <laughs> so I figured, I rationalized, well, I've got to pay for it anyway. I'm just going to watch for the month of January. Aren't we crazy about rationalizing our habits, right? We're so good at it. But, but pray for me, right? I will overcome. Right. Why? Because the power of Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desire in me. So February, this month, it started already. Guess what? No Netflix and Hulu in my house, right? I'm going to overcome. Why? Because I want to become something. I want to use the time that God has given me in a more productive, more, more just life-giving way than spending hours watching dumb shows that bring nothing to my life right? Ask Jessica. She has a whole list of things that I need to change. That's one of them that I'm taking control over. So, you know, I don't know what it is for you. You know, maybe it's your phone. Maybe your phone's a cue. Maybe there's apps on your phone um, that are just a distraction. Maybe there are apps on your phone that are just straight up temptations, right? That lead you down all kinds of paths that you shouldn't be going. And so for some of you, maybe you just need to remove the app, right? That's the start. Maybe you need to put some filters on your phone, right? 
put some barriers around that. Try to make it, you know, like, you know, with good habits, we want to make it obvious and easy. With bad habits, you want to make it difficult. You want to make it as hard as possible, right? And so, you know, put some filters on there. And, and if that doesn't work for you, if you've got to figure out how to rationalize it and get around it, maybe you need to swap your smartphone in for a dumb phone, right? And some of you are probably thinking, well, well Pastor, that's really extreme. Yeah, it might be a little extreme, but man... You know, the, the little habits that we, we accumulate over a lifetime um, can become very, lead to some very disastrous outcomes in our lives. And so what is the habit that you need to break today, now, right, so that you can become the person that God wants you to be? Um, I love what Pastor Craig um, says this. He frames it in a question. He says, why resist temptation in the future if you have the power to eliminate it today, Right? Why resist temptation in the future when you have the power to resist it today? That's really good, right? Um, you know, why fight something later on that you actually have the power right now to prevent that battle, right? Um, you know, for some of you, it's not just about like eating right or exercising, right? For some of us, it's, it's a lot darker than that. It's a lot more dangerous and destructive. There are habitual activities that we're in that can really lead to some incredibly disastrous outcomes, Right? And the more dangerous and destructive the, the habit, the more drastic the measures you need to take. And you need to take them now, right? You need to take them now. You know, if you're addicted to gambling or you're addicted to drugs or alcohol or you have a sex addiction, whatever it is, right? You need to kind of do some radical things to remove some of those cues. You know, and if the cues are people, you need to cut those people out of your life. You know, if the cues are places, you just need to stop going there. Right? You need to get, 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 get pretty drastic in some of the measures you're taking because there's a lot at stake here, right? No one plans to ruin their lives, right? But people ruin their lives all the time. You blow up your marriages. You blow up your relationships. You, you spend years apart from your kids uh, because of continual small little habits that are left to go unchecked day after day, year after year, year after year until they lead to disastrous outcomes, Right? So think about your life right now, right? For the most part, like who you are today, right, is based on the habits that you have, in pl have put in place up until this point, right? The reason you are today, whether it's uh, your spiritual discipline or your financial disciplines or whatever the, the, the habitual actions you take on the daily, right, the health disciplines are, are basically a result right in front of you. You are today based on, on the things that you have been doing up until this point. Um, and, and so, you know, your habits will shape who you become tomorrow. They will. And, and, and so the more destructive those habits are, the more disastrous the outcomes are going to be. You know, if you've ever spoken to someone who, um, because of uh, just a, an addictive habit or a, um, just, a, just a bad propensity towards things, right? If you ever speak to them after they've blown up their life because of them, and you ask them, like, you know, what would you do differently? They would say, if I could go back then, if I could roll back the clock, I would do whatever it took to make sure that, that I, would, I broke that habit. I would access whatever power was available to me to break that habit. And for some of you, that moment is now, right? Like the roll back the clock part, you're in the roll back the clock part right now. And you don't want to get to the end of this season to realize that, that, that the time is too late, right? It's gone. The, the destruction has already accumulated. Samson did not plan on blowing up his life, right? 
It took 56,250 steps to get there, right? 56,000 steps, right? And all along the way, right, he had an opportunity to change his mind, right? He was going to Gaza. He knew in Gaza there were prostitutes. That's where he was going. And every step of the way, he made a conscious decision to keep walking in that direction. But at any moment, he could have stopped. In every one of those 56,250 steps, God's grace was available to him. And the power to change was available to him if he would lean into it, right? And, and, and so you need to know that, right? Like God's grace is available to you right now, today, to make the changes you need to make, right? And so what habit, right? What is the one thing? And for some of us, it's a small thing. It's not a, not a big, kind of ugly, dark thing. For some of us, it is, right? But what is that thing, whatever that is, that you need to change to become the person that God has created you to be? Um, you know, God's grace teaches us that you're not defined by your past, right? You're not defined by the habits you're currently even involved in right now. That is not who you are. You are becoming. You are becoming more and more like Christ. That's God's purpose for your life, right? And so you are becoming, right? You're defined by who God says you are. And God has created you to be an image bearer, to carry his presence, right? And he has given you the grace that is sufficient for change in your life. The same grace that saved you is the grace that will change you. And that's available to you right now, right now. You know, and the crazy thing is the gospel teaches us that Jesus came for people like you and me with bad habits. Whether it's binge watching Netflix or darker things, right? Whatever it might be. That's the reason he came. He came to redeem us, to save us, to establish us in the kingdom, in things that would be life-giving, life-changing, not only for our own lives, for those around us. And this very same grace that saves us and redeems us and brings us in to, to God's family is the grace that changes us so that we can become the people that God has created us to be. There's no habit that you have, that I have, that is too big for the grace of God. Christ's power in me, Christ's power in you is greater, stronger than the wrong desires that we have, right? And so we need to lean into that, lean into that. And so let me leave you again with a question. What is the one habit, right? The one habit by God's grace that you can break today, this week, that is stopping you, preventing you, hindering you, inhibiting you from becoming the person that God has created you to be. Amen? All right, so here's what I want us to do as we close here. Um, I want you um, to take a minute right now. I'm going to invite the team back up. Pastor Kuyper will create a little space for us. Um, and just think about that, right? What is that habit? And I want you to write it down. And I want you to be specific, right? Some of you might be like, yeah, I'm not going to write it down because my wife's going to see it and then I'm going to be accountable. I, I don't know. Do whatever you want to do. There's no, no, no rules here. Uh, but what is that one habit? I want you to consider it, right? We're going to close in communion right now. And I want you to know these communion tables represent the very power to change. Right? These communion tables represent the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His body that was given for your bad habits. Right? And he took those habits on himself. He became sin for us. And, and in taking our sin, he made this incredible exchange. He imparted to us his righteousness. 
And to seal that, he poured out his blood and gave us his spirit. The word of God that is in your heart. Leading you, guiding you. The spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead indwells you. That's the power. It's the power of God at work in you, giving you the will and the desire to do the things that please him. And that's available to you right now in Christ. There's not a single habit that you're struggling with, whether it's small or whether it's large, whether it's destructive and devastating, or whether it's just irritating. Jesus has the power to change it in you. His power working through you. You have responsibility, right? You have to remove the cues, do the things we're talking about. You've got some tools, right? But it's his power in you that is greater than the wrong desires in you. And he wants you to become more and more day by day like him, right? And that's possible. That's available to each and every one of us, right? And so when you come to the tables, come, bring the habit, right? Whatever it is, bring it with you. Lay it down just spiritually, figuratively on the table and leave it with him. Give it to him and, and exchange it for his righteousness, his power, his grace to empower you, enable you to be the person he wants you to be. For those of you who maybe are here tonight and you're like, man, I don't even know this Jesus person. Um, I know that you're not here by coincidence, that you are here because Jesus himself, by his spirit, has drawn you here tonight. And he's inviting you into a life that you could not yet imagine. A life of power, a life of self-control, where there's peace and joy and fullness in the spirit of God available to you. And these tables are an invitation into that life to accept his body given as a sacrifice for your sin, for your bad habits, for your wrong decisions, for your sin. And then to receive his blood as an atoning sacrifice, a down payment of his spirit that is ready and willing right now to come and indwell you, to lead you in the way of, of Jesus, the better way. And so come to the tables. Come receive the sacraments of Jesus' body given for the forgiveness of your sin. Come receive the cup as the new covenant poured out in his blood where God will then write his law upon your heart, empower you by the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead to live a life that is pleasing to him. If that is you maybe here for the first time and this is your first time that you would participate and make a confession of faith to Jesus, please don't leave without letting us know. Our mission here is to journey with people. We want to meet you where you are and walk with you as you grow in your understanding of who Jesus is. So take a Connect card, fill that out. Come speak to me. Come speak to Pastor Kaipo. Come speak to someone, right? Just let them know. And we want to journey with you as a community in that decision to follow Jesus. I'm going to pray. Um, the tables will be open. Kaipo and the team will create an atmosphere for us of worship. And when you're ready, come up. Bring that bad habit with you. Put it at the tables. And take the, the, the cup and the, and, and the bread and receive the grace that saves you and the grace that will change you. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for each and every one of my friends here tonight. I pray that tonight uh, real significant lasting change will take place. And not just behavior modification, but spiritual transformation. And ultimately it's in you, Lord Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith that real life change comes from. As your power works through us, 
so that we might become the people you have called us to be. And so continue to work in us, I pray, ultimately for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name I pray.